The delicate rescue of the soccer team trapped in a Thailand cave. Four boys rescued, eight of them along with their soccer coach still waiting to be taken out. It means that we're going to give back about 2,600 parking spaces to the citizens. The fire hydrant proposal that could create thousands of new parking spots in Surrey. It's just a shame to leave a house sitting empty for six years. And the Richmond renter who spent years looking after a home that's been empty the entire time. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, it is the story that has the whole world watching right now. For two weeks, a youth soccer team in Thailand have been trapped in a flooded out cave. Well, today, the rescue operation finally getting going. Our Grace Key is watching all the developments really closely and has the latest for us. So, Grace, a lot of relief today for at least four of the boys. That's right. Doctors are now examining the conditions of those four boys who have now been reunited with loved ones. Officials only saying their conditions are not that bad. What began as a team-building exercise after a soccer practice is now a race against time, with heavy rain expected. The first of the trapped boys emerge, with ambulances rushing them to medical teams on standby. The rescue was better than expected. Thought to take 11 hours, the first child was out by nine, thanks to continuing efforts to drain the tunnels. The governor is saying after 16 days, we saw the faces of the wild boar soccer team. Andrew Munoz knows what the boys are going through. In 2015, rushing water trapped his friend in the narrow passage of a cave on Vancouver Island. He captured some of the harrowing experience on video. You can look at me, okay? You made it, all right? It took 24 hours for them to make their way out. I think their parents are squeezing them about as tight as I was squeezing my daughter. I don't think I put her down for at least 48 hours. I mean, these parents have have seen the death of an experienced rescuer, which can only, you know, further exacerbate their fears. The first kilometer was the most dangerous. They had to pass through a flooded, narrow channel while holding their oxygen tanks in front of them. There are two divers to a child. Another team then helped the boys wade through the dangerous network of tunnels. The strongest of the boys were the first to be rescued. I think when that news does come, that they hear that the first four have made it to the surface, that that will uh, give them confidence that they're able to uh, accomplish the same, you know, un unbelievable challenge. The rescue was suspended for 10 hours in order to replenish supplies. The governor is saying teams had to redo the layout of the air tanks and systems along the way. Four children were rushed to a hospital 60 kilometers from the cave on top of their physical recovery. Andrew says their psychological effects will be lasting. For these young boys to survive for so long and then be faced with a, a first-time scuba dive through such a, a technical and, and dangerous area is a, a real testament to their character. And uh, I'm, like, like everybody watching the story, we just were hoping and praying that uh, everyone comes home safe. So after more than 10 hours suspension and operations, rescuers are still going uh, to be, uh, again, replenishing some of their supplies. So we're waiting to hear when they are going to be continuing their efforts to rescue those trapped boys and the coach. And the rescue is expected to take days. Sonia? All right, Grace, thank you very much for all of that. Well, as Grace mentioned, it was the strongest of the boys that have been rescued first. More now on how they're doing. This report from NBC News.
Four boys, starved and exhausted, are now safe. The entire eighth floor reserved to care exclusively for the team. Hospital officials won't say how they're doing, but the condition of one of the first two to come out is said to be causing concern. Pictures show one of the boys on a stretcher after the incredible rescue. These four went first because they were deemed the healthiest. The mission commander said they're ready for this. They're ready to come out. Just days ago, the boys had sent letters to their families about what they wanted when they were freed. Favorite foods like pork barbecue and fried chicken. One boy joked, teacher, don't give us lots of homework. Another wrote, I miss everyone. I want to go back now. Thirteen full medical teams have been doing evacuation drills for days. They first check for breathing and signs of hypothermia before the boys are sent by airlift and ambulance to begin their journey home. Well, weather in this part of the world is playing a huge part in how rescuers can do what they need to do to get the remaining boys out. It was rain that stranded the boys and their coach inside the cave to start with. Now, there are fears that heavy monsoon rains are set to return again in the next coming days or so. Uh, so for more on that, let's bring in our Yvonne Shal. Yvonne, what are you seeing? That's right, Sonia. Monsoon season in Thailand runs from July to October. There's no dry stretch in the forecast. Here's model data just showing us what we can expect over the next 48 hours in that screen does fill with blue so the risk will be showers thunderstorms also the concerns will be frequent downpours lightning dangers and there's little opportunity for the water to recede at this point so over the next 48 hours they are going to see more moisture pushing in through the area risk of thunderstorms and lightning we are keeping a close watch i'll have more on your local forecast coming up shortly Sonia? Oh, all right thank you very much for that Yvonne. okay locally some breaking news just coming in about a 10 year old girl in vancouver who has gone missing mary jane tom was last seen at midnight near 45th Avenue and Nanaimo Street. She may have gone to meet a friend. Police are appealing for your help in tracking her down. They say her top front teeth are slightly blackened after she fell off her bicycle. Uh, she also has a slight vertical scar underneath her left nostril. Um, she does have health issues and needs to take medication every day. If you do recognize this girl, if you've seen her, please call 911 immediately. Mission RCMP with a mystery on their hands tonight. Police blocked off Sylvester and Farms Roads near Mission today after a vehicle was found in the Nickerman Slough. A passerby spotted the car and then called police. No one was found inside the vehicle, which police say was reported stolen out of Mission on June the 25th. Now how and why it ended up in the slough still remains unclear. The RCMP working to pull that vehicle out right now. There was a rally today involving about 150 workers at two long-term care homes in Coquitlam. The staff from the two care homes, which house nearly 200 seniors, are trying to save their jobs. Back in May, they voted to join a union, but weeks later, they were handed layoff notices. Tanya Beja reports. It's better to suffer for doing what is right than to suffer for doing what is wrong. After nine years on the job, Lisa Lynn Santos may soon be out of work. We want to be treated fairly and we have not done anything wrong. We, we did our best and now we're being you know, laid off. She's one of 150 care aides and support staff at Coquitlam's Lakeshore and Madison Care Homes who are now facing layoffs. 
The workers are employed by a subcontractor who announced her decision to retire just weeks after the care aides voted to unionize. You know, this is a very common story in BC. It's happened at other facilities around the province. Uh, often the operator or the subcontractor will cancel a contract to avoid unionization, to avoiding better wages and working conditions. The facilities have both publicly funded and private beds. The Health Employees Union is calling on the government and health authority to step in. In a statement, Fraser Health says this is an unfortunate situation and we are taking it seriously. We are continuing our discussions with the contracted provider and we are trying to come to a solution. But we're not there 24 hours a day like you guys are. So thank you. Thank you from my family. Relatives of seniors living at the care home say staff there have become like family, the layoffs creating anxiety. He has a lot of the idiosyncrasies related to the kind of care he needs. They know him and know his needs and care for him perfectly. So who carries the history? It's the people that are with him every day and know their quirks, know their past, know their interests, you know. It, we really rely on those people so much. The laid-off workers may apply for jobs with the new contractor, but say they have no guarantees they will be hired. Tanya Beja, Global News. Ferry passengers have been left frustrated today after one of the vessels that travels between Tawasson and Schwartz Bay uh, was taken out of service for the day. It was a mechanical problem with the Queen of New Westminster that meant there were only three ships on the run today. BC Ferries says the cancellation uh, was caused by an ongoing problem with the ship's what they call controllable pitch propellers. Anybody who made a reservation on one of the affected sailings, they will get their reservation fee refunded. Those people are being put on the next available sailing. It's the five, so it's we, the, the mechanical failure killed the forest and now we're on the five o'clock. So hopefully you might be on the six. All our passengers took off and abandoned us and, and are walking on now. We live in Victoria. It's the price of living on the island. Okay. It's all good. But we know we're going to be here for a little while longer. Yeah. How long do you think? Longer well, than it took us to drive from the Okanagan down to here. <laughs> Ouch. Yes. All right. If you have ever tried to find a parking spot in Metro Vancouver, you will know it is challenging at the best of times. Now Surrey's fire chief is proposing to reduce the area around fire hydrants. He says that could significantly increase the number of parking spaces in the city. Julia Foy reports. Sometimes I come home from work and um, you have to walk for like two to three blocks just to find parking. Surrey resident TJ Graywall is frustrated over the lack of parking in his Clayton neighborhood. One problem is the five meter no parking zone around fire hydrants. Five meters, 15 feet, you really need that. But Surrey's fire chief is pitching an idea to council on Monday, which he hopes will ease some of the city's parking pressures. We found out, well, you know what, two and a half meters is more than ample with no impedances. Garris conducted a study with the University of the Fraser Valley and gathered data from fire experts across the country. He discovered that prior to Canada's conversion to the metric system, firefighters made out just fine with five feet of space to access fire hydrants. So he supports cutting the current space restrictions down to 2.5 meters or seven feet. 
and here's why. In the city of Surrey, it means that we're going to give back about 2,600 parking spaces to the citizens. Surrey Councillor Mike Starchuk says it sounds like a good idea, but he's not sure if the math adds up. I've asked staff to define where these spots are because so many of the hydrants that you see, they're on the corner. And so reducing it by two and a half metres doesn't actually free up a space. Garris says he's already getting support from other city officials and hopes to see the changes implemented around the province. Now I believe what's left is for uh, the government to take it to UBCM to get support and then maybe we can change the law. As for TJ, he says it's a step in the right direction. Sure, it would make sense a little bit, but um, that's one car here, one car there. That's not, it's not really going to solve the problem. Julia Foy, Global News. Welcome back. Well, this year's pulling together canoe journey from Victoria to Vancouver is well on its way. Hi! Hi. Where'd you paddle from? Cordova Bay. The nine canoes and dozens of paddlers arrived at Winter Cove on Saturna Island yesterday. Now, for the past 13 years, police have partnered with First Nations communities with a focus on youth. The goal of the eight to 10 day canoe journeys through BC waterways is reconciliation by learning and understanding each other's cultures. Today, the teams arrived in Tawasin. The 2018 journey wraps up at HMCS Discovery on Wednesday. That's when the canoes travel from Musqueam to Vancouver Harbour. The City of Richmond says most estimates show that vacant homes represent just a small percentage of properties and an empty homes tax isn't really needed. But some are not convinced by this, including one renter who says she spent years cleaning up after a neighbour she's never seen. Kristen Robinson reports. Laura Galanders would like to meet her neighbour a few doors down, but no one ever seems to be home. It's just a shame to leave a house sitting empty for six years. It should be rented out. There'll be newspapers sticking out. The Richmond mother walks by every day when taking her kids to school and has become the unofficial caretaker, clearing the mail. Sometimes I've seen it so full that it busts out the back. So I'll just pick them up and, and just tuck them into their yellow bag that's right there. And moving the green bin that blocks her route. Just doing my part to keep the neighborhood clean. <laughs> But after six years, Galanders is tired of being a good neighbor, venting her frustration in a recent tweet. Maybe the homeowners are so wealthy that they don't have any incentives to rent it out and they don't want to. Well, I think what the problem we've got in Richmond is that uh, uh, we've got a lot of these huge houses taking up uh, a lot of property that people should be living in. Longtime councillor Harold Steves estimates the city has 500 vacant homes, including two in his neighbourhood. He wants to see an empty homes tax that goes beyond Richmond. It is a province-wide problem uh, all the way through all of Metro Vancouver and it should be solved uh, uh, as, a, as a provincial problem rather than a local one. The city of Richmond says in the past the majority of council was unconvinced that it was necessary or that a tax would be fair or effective. Vancouver says it will collect $30 million from its empty homes tax this year, which charges owners 1% of a home's assessed value if it's not a principal residence or rented for at least six months of the year. It's just such a waste of space. This 3,600-plus square foot home on Earlmond Avenue assessed at $2.7 million, the last sign of life three years ago. And I saw them leaving with a suitcase and I was like, oh, do you live here? And, and they just said they're going to the airport and, and um, didn't talk. So I, that was the only time I've ever seen anybody here. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 
A popular beach in Belcara was closed today because of a bear in the area. Anyone heading into White Pine Beach was turned away. Metro Vancouver also posting an advisory about the closure. On Thursday, Port Moody police said there was a bear at the beach, although it was not aggressive. The conservation officer service was called to the scene. Beachgoers are being reminded to clean up your garbage and definitely dispose of any food scraps when you leave the area. All right, this is how not to tow your boat. Abbotsford Gang Task Force Constable Harve Mangat tweeting out these photographs. After pulling over an SUV driver today, the boat had been balanced on pallets and had straps held together with duct tape. The trailer it was sitting on had no brakes and a homemade third axle. Just one of the many things wrong here, the officer tweeted. The driver paid for it, though, with more than $2,000 in tickets, and the vehicle was towed. Hmm. Okay. An yeah. A for imagination, but uh, <laughs> an, an F for uh, execution. You would have made a good teacher. All right. <laughs> Barry, well, Kind we'll of a MacGyver-like <laughs> way. You know, if you're on a deserted <laughs> island and you could only tow your boat, maybe you'd accept that. But, it is quite crazy, isn't it, when yeah. you see those pictures? All right, we'll get to sport in a second, Barry. But first of all, um, it was a pretty nice day today. Yeah, it was very pleasant. Today was sort of the nicer out of the bunch for our weekend. Uh, there is some cloud cover out there this evening. We've got more sunshine. Uh, there is a bit of a blip in the forecast, but I wanted to show you first off some of the numbers today. It's been pleasant. A few spots closer to the water at 22 and inland, 25 and up to 26 degrees. Inland currently for Port Alberni still sitting at 25 degrees. Victoria at 23 and Tofino sitting at 19. We will see one day in the forecast uh, that is bringing in cooler temperatures and some rainfall and then it is going to rebound very quickly with the return for some sunshine and it's heating up for the interior. I'll have more on that when I come back shortly. All right, thanks very much for that Yvonne. And uh, loads of text messages I got today about white caps. Uh, people celebrating their big win yesterday. That was uh, very yeah. entertaining. The mm. uh, coach probably wasn't happy with some of the, the couple of goals they gave up. But, yeah, we're going to talk about that. The uh, the Caps have a lot to work on. But uh, as far as the entertainment value goes, it's been, it's been right up there with stuff we've seen in the World Cup, really. So we'll take a look back at that and hear from the Caps. Uh, the news not so good on the Lions front, where they are really struggling. And uh, quarterback Jonathan Jennings in particular, we'll kind of delve into that a bit more after they uh, got taken... Uh, to the woodshed a little bit yesterday in Winnipeg, 41-19 the final there. So we'll, some, some good news, some bad news on Ouch. the local front. All right, let's return back to our top story now. Four boys from a soccer team in Thailand have been rescued from a cave. That's after getting trapped 15 days ago. The rescue mission is set to resume again soon in order to save the remaining eight boys and their coach who are still inside. Global's Eric Sorensen reports. It is an unparalleled rescue drama. With monsoon rains coming and water inside the cave reduced to manageable levels, there wasn't going to be a better time to begin bringing out the 12 soccer teammates and their coach out of the caves. Some 90 divers, many Thai Navy SEALs and foreign dive specialists went in to bring the first four boys out. They chose the strongest of the group, knowing that if problems were encountered, they would have the best chance of success on their first try. And after many hours, out they came. We saw it first with ambulances on the mountainside and soon helicopters and more ambulances. The boys were taken to a hospital some 60 kilometers away as the entire country and the world looked on. The local governor made the announcement that four of the wild boars, that's the name of the team, had now been seen in the flesh. An enormous success. But oxygen tanks had been depleted. It would require another 10 to 20 hours for the entire operation to be set up again before another group of kids could be brought out. 
As we saw this week, when a former Thai Navy SEAL ran out of oxygen and died, that the risk remains great. Time is also the enemy, and some of these youngsters and the coach may not be in as good condition as the first four who came out. So the rescue is far from over, and it's going to be an agonizing number of hours, even days, before we see if all of the boys, their coach, and the rescuers get out safely. Eric Sorensen, Global News. We'll keep a close eye on developments with that story. In other news tonight, the search for a missing two-year-old boy near Grand Prairie, Alberta, continues tonight. Now, the boy disappeared on Friday. Emergency crews, along with volunteers, have been scouring the area to find the two-year-old. Miles is his name. Global's Julia Wong now has an update on the search. Sunday was the second full day of searching for a two-year-old who went missing at the Wapiti River. Two-year-old Miles was with his family at the river south of Grand Prairie Friday night when it's believed he got swept away. Searchers are scouring 20 kilometers of the Wapiti River and checking the brush along the shoreline as deep as they can. A private helicopter helped out in the search Sunday, along with several boats on the water and searchers on ATVs. 40 to 50 volunteers from various search and rescue crews, local residents, fire department and fish and wildlife are also here. Police say it's still a very active rescue operation. Once we've exhausted all our available options, then we start looking at scaling back our operations to become a recovery, but we are not at that point yet, and we are still looking at other resources. Our volunteers remain hopeful at all times because uh, we look to get closure for the family. RCMP cautioned the water can be dangerous because the currents are constantly changing. Police say the family of the two-year-old is doing well thanks to all the support from the community. Julia Wong, Global News, near Grand Prairie, Alberta. In Quebec, there's been a happy ending for the family of a two-year-old boy after some tense moments last night. The toddler has been located safe and sound after he wandered away from his home. Police say the boy was found on a cornfield near his family home in Dundee. This is the, near the U.S. border. The child was reported missing at around 8 o'clock on Saturday night. Police, volunteers and firefighters all helping in the search. Police say the boy was found in a happy state. He was eating a chocolate cookie. He sustained several mosquito bites but was otherwise okay. A helicopter crashed into a residential area in Williamsburg, Virginia today. The aircraft went down late this afternoon near the College of William and Mary, sparking a major fire at a townhouse. At least one person has died in the townhouse. Police in the UK have now launched a murder investigation into the latest nerve agent poisoning. Dawn Sturgis died in hospital tonight. Her partner, Charles Rowley, is still in a critical condition. Investigators now trying to work out how the pair came across the nerve agent in Amesbury, England on June the 30th. More than 100 officers are working to find a small vial believed to have contained Novichok. Authorities say there's no doubt they were exposed to the same type of nerve agent used in the nearby March attack on an ex-Russian spy and his daughter. Both of those victims survived. Canada has issued a travel advisory for Haiti. It's uh, because of violent protests going on there. The unrest is in response to a plan by the Haitian government to hike fuel prices by 38%. It has since backed down on the idea after massive demonstrations erupted. The federal government is warning Canadians now to avoid all non-essential travel to the country. 
U.S. President Donald Trump will make a live TV address tomorrow night to announce his choice to fill the Supreme Court vacancy. It is one that will likely significantly shift the court to the right. This person will do a great job, but I'm, I'm very close to making a decision. Have not made it official yet, obviously. Have not made it final, but we're very close to making a decision. Let's wait and see who he picks. Trump will be replacing Justice Anthony Kennedy, who is retiring. Four conservative candidates are reportedly finalists. Democrats and some Republicans say all could potentially try to overturn Roe v. Wade and other presidents. But conservatives are dismissing that theory. The announcement comes from the White House. It happens at 9 o'clock Eastern time. President Trump is also set to visit the UK next week. It's going to be his first trip there since taking office. Protests are already being planned over his fiery comments about one of America's closest allies. But the president also does have some fans across the Atlantic. It's a controversial welcome for a controversial president. This 20-foot-tall blimp depicting President Trump as an angry baby will soar over London as the city braces for protests against his UK visit. But America's 45th president will be greeted with open arms at the Trump arms. God bless America. God bless America. <laughs> Landlord Damian Smith has renamed his West London pub, hosting a series of Trump-themed celebrations next weekend to send a message. President Trump has a lot of support here as well, you know. The president's disdain for global institutions resonates with some of the customers, many of whom voted to leave the European Union and want to see an England-first agenda here at home. What kind of British people support Donald Trump? It's blue-collar people who feel that they've been left behind by globalization, they've been left behind by elites, uh, and that they're not listened to. But President Trump's British fans remain a minority. According to one survey, just 11% think Mr. Trump has been a good president, while 67% say his performance has been poor or terrible. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. But his stance on immigration and trade applauded by populist allies like Brexit leader Nigel Farage. By going out and voting for Brexit, they could take back control of their country, take back control of their borders and get back their pride and self-respect. A message that's likely to be drowned out by protests. No Trump, no Brexit. When the president arrives. Lucy Kafanov, NBC News, London. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, thousands of people ditched their wheels for a stroll down Commercial Drive today. This looks like a lot of fun, a roller skating party, a lot of things to eat, and fantastic weather, of course, all coming together for this year's edition of Car Free Day on the Drive. A span of 15 blocks closed, closing to vehicle traffic, opening up space to showcase lots of local musicians, plenty of uh, people dressed up there as well, artists and delicious food too. Car Free Day, uh, just to let you know, it started on Commercial Drive uh, back in 2005. It was a way to advocate for green culture and community. Uh, other neighbourhoods such as Main Street and the West End now have jumped on this whole grassroots movement ever since. Commercial Drive is the original birthplace of Car Free Day, so this is where it all started. Um, originally it started as a movement protest, uh, highway expansion, uh, communities just dropped hockey nets in the middle of the street, started a hockey hockey game, and from there it just kind of blossomed year after year, it became this amazing festival. 
Yeah, a lot of people enjoy that day. And I think it's still going on, Yvonne. So um, hopefully the sun will keep shining for a while. Yes. So we have had some cloud cover roll in, but it was fantastic throughout uh, the day today across the south coast. And we will have more cloud than sun tomorrow. And I'll have more on that in just a moment. Here's a glance of our beautiful tower cam overlooking English Bay this evening. We're at 20 degrees with a westerly wind out of the airport at 11 kilometers per hour. High today was up to 22 degrees. So right where we should be for this time of the year. And on the Almanac, record-wise, 28 degrees degrees was set back in 2010. 21 as the high today for areas near Williams Lake. Kelowna still climbing up to 27. Southern sections for Soyuz at 31. Similar for Lillooet. Victoria today up to 24 degrees. Tofino today was very pleasant up to 20 degrees. Current temperature for Whistler at 23 and Prince George sitting at 21. We will have more cloud cover rolling in this evening and overnight. A slight chance for some showers developing for the northern and central sections of the island. Across the central interior still a risk of a thunderstorm storm just east of Williams Lake. But the wake weather story that we are following, we do have a trough that is pushing in for tomorrow. Unsettled for most areas, but the moisture will be by the evening and leading in towards our Tuesday. And then here's the blip on the forecast. So for tomorrow, most areas still remaining dry with that increase in cloud cover by the evening hours. Tuesday, it'll remain unsettled. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the ridge starts to build once again and temperatures will be soaring for interior sections back into the 30s. Down on Tuesday or on Tuesday temperatures will be down to 24 degrees and then it rebounds very quickly. It'll be hot and sunny once again and that'll likely lead us in towards the end of the week and potentially into the weekend as well. For the piece up to 27 degrees, a southwesterly wind tomorrow, 30 kilometers per hour, remaining dry over the next three days. White horse underneath the partly cloudy sky will be at 19. A southerly wind tomorrow with gusts of up to 60 kilometers per hour. A clearing on the way for your Tuesday evening. Coastal section one more dry day at 18 degrees. The trough pushes in Tuesday, Wednesday, on and off showers for both days, so enjoy tomorrow. Caribou and Central Interior will be up to 26 degrees. One day of showers on Tuesday and then sunshine returning on your Wednesday. Columbia and Kootenai region, a hot one tomorrow up to 35 degrees. Scattered showers on Tuesday but clearing out as early as the evening. Thompson, Okanagan up to 31 degrees for tomorrow. Scattered showers and cool on Tuesday with 24. Whistler up to 24 degrees. We'll see showers as early as the evening hour for tomorrow. Wednesday back up to 28 degrees. Across the island, northern and central sections could see showers developing as early as the morning and early afternoon. Most areas for the southern and eastern sections will see the showers pushing in towards the evening. And that's what we'll see across Metro Vancouver. It'll be for tomorrow night. Temperature still up to 24 inland tomorrow. Unsettled on Tuesday and then right back into sunshine. Very warm looking ahead Wednesday onwards. Sonia? Brilliant. All right. Thank you very much for that, Yvonne. Uh, now, dogs and postal workers, of course, have had a very long and often temperamental history. Uh, but the two friendly Labrador retrievers in Virginia we're going to talk about now were not shying away from their neighborhood postman. Take a look. Come on, boy. All right, this is Bear and the other one is Bull. Instead of nipping at the heels of their postal carrier, the two pups decided uh, to sneak into his mail truck instead and eat his lunch. Good thing he wasn't mad. He left a note for the puppy's owners. It says, hey, I drove up to deliver a package and both of the dogs crawled in my truck. They got into my lunch and ate an egg and some carrots and pumpkin seeds. I don't know if that will upset their tummies, just FYI. 
very caring postie. The owners responded with a note of apology and a gift card so the postman could have a lunch courtesy of these two troublesome pups. All right, uh, lots of sports to catch up with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I say lots. There's no Wimbledon. There's no World Cup. It's a bit of a, a bit of a rest. Yeah. It's a Sunday rest day. Usually yes. sports on Sunday is, is pretty busy. It was all loaded yesterday, and today is kind of like recap. It's kind of recap. We day. need that. So if you missed sorry. it, you're out <laughs> having a few drinks, mowing the lawn. Here's a good chance to catch up on the weekend. <laughs> Thanks, Sonia. If you had to uh, summarize the two biggest issues plaguing the Whitecaps this season, it's uh, been the inability to capitalize on great scoring chances and giving up ill-timed goals with defensive lapses. Both issues were on full display last night at BC Place, but the good news was the Whitecaps still managed to hang on for a very entertaining 3-2 uh, win over the Chicago Fire. The other good news is they can at least fix the defensive part and with their offensive creativity, this is a team that could be very dangerous to face in the playoffs, but they got to get there first. Take a look back at the game last night. Former German star Bastian Schweinsteiger made his first appearance in Vancouver, but he was ineffective. It was the Caps who provided the dazzling moments. They did miss some glorious chances early, which is one of their problems, like we said, but they did score in the 30th minute. Kai Kamara scoring, and then after he does, he combines with his uh, good buddy Alfonso Davies for a little synchronicity there. Then the moments uh, after that, Davies sent in by Jordi Reyna. Blazing speed, but the keeper got a piece of it and it went off the post. That would have been spectacular. Davies has played so well this year, just continues to impress. But late in the first half, one of those defensive lap lapses off a throw in and it's Nemanja Nikolic who ties it. It seems every time the Whitecaps make a mistake, they get punished for it, and they did there. But great response early second half, just two minutes in. Effie Juarez with the nice ball to Jordan Much, and the Englishman walks around the Chicago keeper. First goal as a Whitecap, first goal in MLS for Much, 2-1 Vancouver, and then later, more speed from the kid. Just 17 years old, look at that. Past both defenders. Gets it back to Kai Kamara for his second, eighth assist of the year for Davies. 3-1 the final, or 3-2 the final. The Caps hang on. Still plenty of room for improvement, though. The end of the first half really annoyed me because we were in total control in the first half and we switch off from a throw-in. It's a 3v2 scenario and we don't get that right and they score. So it's the story of our season at the moment. I think we make things a little bit more difficult than we need to, but we've got to tidy that up and we will. Obviously we went into the half, came in and just you know, told each other that it's, it's our day, it's our game. And uh, we have to go back out there and just control the game, keep passing the ball. We knew when we, when we score another goal, another one's going to follow. It's obviously nice uh, for the confidence of the boys. Um, it's going to be a, a big road trip that, that's coming up. Um, we just need to focus at one game at a time. Um, all the boys are confident in, in themselves. Um, and hopefully we can go to D.C. and get a good win. Well, according to the betting experts, France and England are favored to win their World Cup semi-final matches, and we know betting experts are never wrong. Just ask Chanel. <laughs> England certainly seems to have an edge over Croatia, who are coming off an exhausting quarterfinal against Russia that has left some of their top players banged up with injuries. But it is the World Cup, and you would expect Croatia will fight to the finish. Here's a look at the uh, slate this week. On Tuesday, France and Belgium, 11 a.m. start our time, and then England, Croatia, and the winners play in the World Cup final a week from today.
Well, perhaps the Lions are just trying to build the drama in Wally Buono's last season. You know, team looks hopeless, but rallies behind their iconic coach to bring home a championship, shocking the world. Right now, that sounds pure Hollywood because the Lions looked hopelessly overmatched last night in Winnipeg. The defense can't stop the run, giving up over 340 yards rushing the past two weeks. They've also surrendered 80 points in their last 62 minutes of game action, but there's plenty of blame to go around. It's uh, been a very slow start for Jonathan Jennings. Yes, he is uh, trying to grasp a new offensive system under Jarius Jackson, but Jennings missed two key throws early in this one. One to Shaq Johnson, which should have been a touchdown. Instead, on the very next play, he threw an interception. That was a game-altering moment. And then later, another bad decision as the former line Adam Big Hill went 55 yards on the pick six. Travis Lule likely won't be ready to go for a couple of more weeks, so Jennings needs to get his act together before then, or he will almost certainly lose his starting job. Welcome back. Well, despite the fact they've been without the suspended Robinson Cano for two months, the Seattle Mariners are showing they are an elite team, even without their future Hall of Famer. They've actually won 33 of the 50 games since Cano was found guilty of using a banned substance in mid-May. Seattle's starting pitching, uh, pitching rather, has been superb, led by Ladner's James Paxton, and they also lead the majors in one-run victories. Today, they were looking to snap a rare two-game losing skid at Safeco against the Colorado Rockies. Beautiful day for baseball in Seattle. Mariners scored three in the first, highlighted by this two-run double from Ryan Healy. Mitch Hanniger and Nelson Cruz both score. It was 3-1 Mariners, but Seattle fell behind 4-3, only to rally, and it was Healy who did the job with one mighty swing. This shot into the upper deck in the sixth, a three-run shot, five RBI on the day for Healy, 6-4 Mariners. Go to the ninth, bring on Edwin Diaz on pace to set a new MLB, MLB saves record in a season. Strikes out the side for his league-leading 35th save. 6-4 Seattle wins. Diaz named to the All-Star game. James Paxton did not get an invitation, although he certainly deserved one. Yankees and Blue Jays from Rogers Center, sixth inning. 1-0 Yankees in front, but the Jays tie it. On a milestone home run for Kendris Morales. That's his 10th of the year, but the 200th of his major league career ties it at one. Stays that way into the 10th. Brett Gardner comes up clutch. Base hit to left field. Scores the winning run. It's close at the plate, but he is safe, and the Yanks take it 2-1-10. and Just one more week to go before the Major League All-Star break. Jay Happ will be the Blue Jays' representative. Final round of the PGA Tours, a military tribute at the Greenbrier. Kevin Na was just a shot off the lead when the day began, but he quickly zoomed into the top spot. How about this putt on the eighth? Bends it in from 43 feet, fourth birdie in five holes, and then at the ninth, now we'll stick the approach inside two feet for another birdie. Five and a six-hole span opened up a five-shot lead, and nobody challenged him as Kevin Na wins his second career PGA Tour win at 19 under, his first since 2011. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor finished 56th at minus two. The LPGA was in Green Bay, Wisconsin for the Thornberry Creek Classic. The top Canadian was not Brooke Henderson. She finished 23rd. Brittany Marchand of Orangeville, Ontario finished 7th at 17-under thanks to that birdie. 
but 17 under was 14 shots behind the winner. Korea's Se Young Kim set a new LPGA record for lowest score ever at a tournament. Her stats are eye-popping. She fired rounds on the par 72 of 63, 65, 64, and 65 for a 31 under par score, breaking the record she had co-owned with Annika Sorenstam by four shots. Kim had 31 birdies on the week and one eagle. Her only blemish was a double bogey in round two. The uh, 31 birdies, a single tournament record as well. British Grand Prix from Silverstone. Lewis Hamilton starting from the pole. Fan favorite, of course, but Sebastian Vettel didn't take long to take the lead. See, streaks ahead of Hamilton off the start, and to make matters worse, Hamilton's Ferrari teammate Kimi Raikkonen bumped into him, sending the British driver off the track, leaving him last. Hamilton did manage to fight back to finish second, but it's Vettel who finished two and a quarter seconds ahead of Hamilton for his fourth win of the season. Vettel, who led Hamilton by a point, going into the 10th of 21 races, now leads by eight. Canadian Lance Stroll was 12th just missing out on the points. Another scenic stage of the Tour de France. Second stage mostly flat, 182K through Western France. The stage incident free for most of the day, but then they got a little messy late inside the 3K zone, a big pile up, including the man wearing the yellow leader's jersey, Colombia's Fernando Gaviria. Gaviria collected himself, got back up and riding. World champ Peter Sagan, Bided his time and he finished second yesterday but waited perfectly here to time his sprint and he wins the stage the ninth of his career so he claims the overall lead four-time champ Chris Froome of Britain is a minute seven off the lead but a long way to go it's still three more weeks before they finish in Paris. BC Super Week continues. Tour to Delta White Spot Road Race today on the men's side. Some nice local content. Victoria's Adam DeVos got to celebrate going across the finish line as he takes it. These are top pro cyclists from around the world, not at the Tour de France right now, so they are very good quality. In the women's race, Kendall Ryan of California was the winner. Calgary's Kirsty Lay was third. BC Super Week continues Tuesday with the New West Grand Prix. The Gastown Grand Prix is on Wednesday, and that's always a spectacular event. The weather should be great for it. All right, there was supposed to be a video of a perfect proposal. Take a look at this. <laughs> oh, bless him. He's so cute. It turned into something even more memorable. This grandpa had just met the couple who was about to become engaged in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> Um, he wanted to catch it all on his uh, cell phone, but he got this instead, and his reaction pretty priceless as well. Was you on video? Was you yeah. filming this backwards? You were filming your face all the time. There you go. Uh, very, very cute. Um, just to add to the irony, John used to be a photographer. <laughs> In the Navy. I guarantee you he didn't have that button that makes you take your own selfies, though, right? No, he didn't have selfies back then. Just reminds me of my dad getting, you know, used to technology. He's slightly, Albuquerque, by the way. Sorry yeah, for the He's slightly less uh, capable on his phone than I am. Not much. <laughs> I know. We're on this mission to get Barry on Instagram and everything else, right, Yvonne? But yes. still work in progress. It's very okay, much so. I'm like You've the got more free guy. time. You've got more free time. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you back here tonight at 11.